Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. As a recovering people pleaser myself, a big part of my journey through the healing process has been really examining my level of responsibility for other people's emotions and reactions and responses. And it's one of those areas, of course, throughout my life that I always felt tremendous responsibility for. I was constantly walking on eggshells because I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable or rock the boat. But ultimately, over the years, I've come to realize that that actually did so much more harm than good, not only for myself, but for the people in my life. And so on today's episode, Carrie and I just want to have more conversation on whose happiness are we really responsible for? Is it everyone in our life? Is it just ourselves? Is it the people that we meet randomly or come across? Is it our children? Is it our relatives? I feel like that every single one of us struggles in this area at some point. For sure. And I think being women, we can feel this pressure even more because I don't know why we are conditioned to think that we need to be the ones to be responsible for other people's emotions and how people view us. And that load really rests on our shoulders. So this is going to be an interesting conversation today, just sort of breaking this idea down. And like you said, Dominique, who are we really responsible for when it comes down to it in terms of happiness? I think for women also who are mothers, it can really be even stronger because so many mothers feel that they are responsible for their children's happiness because it's such an instinctual feeling to feel that. Yeah. And it, it's an area that I'm really interested in. And I've actually had a couple clients in the past who were mothers and were making major changes within their life. And of course, a big concern was the emotional well-being of their children. And yes, to a certain extent, I believe we're certainly as mothers, as humans, we are certainly responsible to a certain extent for the individuals in our lives, their emotional well-being, because a lot of it's going to be based off of our actions and behaviors. However, I find for myself, something that I always caught on to was that I assumed someone would feel a certain way because that's how I would have felt. And so I would choose to take the responsibility on keeping that emotion out of view, thinking that, okay, it worked for me. It should work for this person. When in reality, we will never know how someone will or will not 
respond to any of our behaviors or actions because they are not us. They are their own human being. And I believe that definitely goes for our children, the women who have children, you can only do so much. And then the rest is up for your child to learn and grow with your guidance. And it's so important for us to remember that most people's reactions to what you do or what you say are all about their own experiences, their own traumas, their own conditioning. And it really has so little to do with the resource of where that information came from. It has to do with their own past and how they're processing the information. Exactly. And I also think that it's important for children to learn with the guidance. It's important for them to learn through their own mistakes and through their own resiliency that they build with the assistance of the parent, the caregiver. And when I look at, of course, I'm not a mother, but from my own experience, I come from a divorced family. And when I look back at how my parents tried to protect me, to manage my emotional well-being the best way they knew how by doing things the best way they knew how. And when I look at that, I'm like, you know what? It really didn't protect me. It really left me with a lot of questions and a lot of guilt in areas too. And by no mean am I passing judgment on my parents and their parenting style. And I, I hope that we can all realize that even with our own parents, they did the best they could with the resources that they had at that time. However, it does make me think twice within my own life, this responsibility that I felt for others is really a false sense of kind of maintaining certainty in life and also a false sense of caring for someone in a way where it can kind of backfire if you're not allowing people to make their own decisions and choices and you're not holding them responsible for their own growth. Yes. And on the other side of this, we can say that we aren't responsible for how people react to what we say. But a lot of us also have been conditioned to accommodate how we act and respond because we're trying to manage other people's reaction to us. And maybe this is a classic case of why so many of us dim our own light, dim our own essence, mm -hmm. because we don't want to be too much or we don't want people to take us the wrong way. And so when we do that, we're really trying to manage their acceptance of us, their happiness, their comfortability in the situation. And it's something so many of us do, I know I do it, without even thinking about it. It's so ingrained into me to just act like this, especially around people who maybe I haven't completely let in and who don't really know the real me. Yeah, I love that you bring that up, the dimming of your own light, because there's this level of guilt to have that if somebody else doesn't. That's something that I certainly have experienced before as well. And for me, it's been with like discovering my purpose and the excitement with it. And if somebody else is struggling in a way, then I feel like I have to kind of 
dim that excitement and make it like, oh, well, you know, yeah, it's nice to know what I want to do with my life, but I still have all these other problems. And I kind of want to try to meet them where they're at versus provide some sort of encouragement or inspiration if that is what they're looking for, or just simply holding space and allowing myself to lean into my purpose, which is holding space for people in my coaching. But it's interesting how you mentioned that. Yeah. A lot of the times we feel the need to lower our vibration, even at times, because it might feel too good, too much than the guilt. And I'm also someone who believes that in order to create stability and peace within our environment, which I feel is a big part of why we want to take responsibility for people's happiness, that it's not focusing so much externally, but it's more focusing on what's happening internally. Because as far as like vulnerability and authentic living goes, I feel that it's really an internal process and through living your life, the way you're desiring, it becomes contagious. It becomes inspiration for people. It becomes that guide that some people are looking for in their lives. And so it's very much an internal process and not about putting our efforts out into the world's constantly and trying to control the people around us or even controlling their own emotions. It's again, one of those areas where we think that we know what someone is going to experience or feel because it's all based on how we would react and projections that can be put out there. Yes. And it reminds me when I'm thinking through the lens of the Enneagram, some things you just said really connected when I'm thinking about the three types that fall into the heart center, which are types two, three, and four, they tend to be the types that are a little bit more focused on image and for very different reasons. And that can really impact how you show up in the world, especially in your interactions with others, how you want to be perceived. If you want to be someone who's perceived as cheerful and happy and you have all your shit together, Enneagram type two tends to be the type that really wants to make those people around them happy. They want their loved ones to feel loved, to feel appreciated. And they can really focus on being of service to others, in turn, neglecting themselves. And so a lot mm -hmm. of times they're constantly putting other people ahead of themselves and their own needs. And so that can really be the growth work for an Enneagram type two is to recognize their own needs in the moment and take care of them before taking care of someone else's needs. It's that classic oxygen mask analogy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Whereas Enneagram type four, they tend to be very internalized. Like they aren't projecting this outward, but they expect everyone to sort of understand them without them communicating what they need. And they're really focused on their emotions, but they want people to know how they're feeling without having to tell people how they're feeling. Or maybe they want to be rescued in a way by someone just getting them and they don't have to explain themselves. And so that can also impact how they're interacting with people in terms of trying to control their emotional state or allowing their emotional mm -hmm. state to be controlled by others. 
Wow. That is fascinating to me because as I'm listening to you like right away in my head, I'm thinking, of course, from the human design lens. And when it comes to the profiles, there's six profiles and this is kind of your personality and how you interact in the world. And the fifth line profile stands out to me because the fifth line is kind of this karmic mirror where people in their world and their families, friendships will project upon them what they are needing to heal most. So like you were mentioning that fourth where internally they're feeling these needs, but they're not expressing it. So that can be for a fifth line, something extremely challenging because they may be projected upon and the person projecting may not even know and realize that they're doing it. Because the fifth line has this like savior energy. There's so much leadership felt within them and this sense of like having your shit together and oh my gosh, this person is going to make my life better. And what a responsibility that is to have. And so there can be a lot of fear of letting people down and also fear of truly showing yourself because of that projection field. So the fifth line can really struggle with trying to make everyone happy and taking on other people's problems because of that. And besides the profiles, I'm very familiar with a couple of gates that I happen to have. The gate 27 is known as the accountability gate. And this is actually a big theme in my chart it's like a mother teresa you know what people need you want to nurture them and to provide for them however it can sometimes be at the cost of your own well-being so the overcaring the martyrdom so there's that balance of providing for others giving to others but holding them accountable for their own self-love self-empowerment and growth so that's where for me, it's very familiar with whose happiness am I really responsible for? I love to help people. However, there's only so much that I can do realizing that it's something that I've become more aware of over time. And the other gate, gate 50 is gate of nurturing. And this is in the spleen. So last week, I believe it was, I was talking about the spleen center and there's fear gates in this center. It's our center for intuition, for survival and timing. The gate 50 is the fear of failing responsibilities. So if this is highlighted in your chart, there can be at that lower end, a fear of failing responsibilities because you are a nurturer. You are wanting to provide and help others, but of course it can be at the expense of your own well-being. So the important part is caring for yourself first, again, that putting the oxygen mask on, and then you can care and provide for others the way in which you're truly desiring. So it's, like I said, that internal focus that really needs to happen versus that external focus and is caring for your own well-being, your own happiness. So that way it can be overflowing into your environment and also that contagious aspect when people see that level of energy and that vibration that you're giving off. It's, it's delicious. It really is. So that's that contagious part. And do you have any ways or ideas 
that people can do in order to maybe become more aware of this in themselves or how maybe you are trying to control how other people feel or receive you? One thing that I really enjoy, it's actually a practice called The Work. It's from Katie Byron, and it's a process of questioning beliefs. So if I have the belief that I'm the only one that can care for someone, then it's this process of asking, okay, is that true? And ultimately, no, because there might be this other person that can provide some care and other different services. And I'm kind of thinking here with my grandmother, when I was caring for my grandmother, that was something that I was like, no, 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 no. I'm the only one that can provide the right care. So looking at it, it's like, no, that's not true. And then examining, okay, if this belief wasn't there, what would you be doing? How would you be responding? And so it's this process of really looking at what's the truth. If you feel you're responsible for a particular person's happiness, is that true? Is that something you have full control over? You can't say yes, because you don't know anyone's internal state. You could be with the best intentions and that will go the complete opposite way. And I know that very well because I've experienced that many times. So I think it's really pausing and asking yourself, is that true? Am I responsible? What would happen or what would the situation look like if that wasn't the case? What kind of guilt could you release? What kind of burdens could you release? And how could that allow you to actually be there even at a greater level for this person or persons? So that's something that yeah, I really and- enjoy is that particular, the work from Byron Katie. And piggybacking on that idea is this idea of just awareness of yourself and just increasing your own awareness that you in yourself, you have the control to allow you to do what you want to do. And it has nothing to do with how others see you. Like you said earlier, if you are aware of your own happiness and how you've created it, that's going to be magnetic to other people. There's not a layer of you even needing to worry about if other people are happy around you, because if you're truly happy within yourself, they're going to feed off that. They're going to feel that. And so that heightened level of awareness of catching yourself in the act of maybe being a little less authentic because you're trying to control someone else's happiness in the room. And the first step and the most important step is noticing that. And once you notice it, you can become aware of it and bring awareness to it and catch the pattern and then change the pattern. Absolutely. And that is such a powerful practice is just awareness. And I think that's like really the start of most everything that we're wanting to change within our lives and to grow and move through. And it's one of those things too, where If you allow yourself to keep your frequency elevated and high, then you are going to bring other people up as well. And if it's something that you stay conscious of, you can't come down from that level of frequency, even when you're around individuals that maybe aren't feeling at their best, but they can come up by feeding off of you. So It's kind of like that dimming of the light shine brighter because that is what is going to bring greater love into the external environment as well. And so 
that's what we need more of. We need to shine bright, create that love. So that way it overflows into the frequency in other people's lives and becomes that contagious domino effect that can spread throughout the world and within your community. And some people might be listening, thinking, well, how do I do that? There are so many ways and it's going to be individualized for everyone because different things make different people happy. But just some Mm -hmm. ideas off the top of my head, Dominique and I talked about in a previous episode about the importance of play and cultivating more joy in your life through that. So just finding those activities that you truly love doing without Mm -hmm. worrying about the outcome or if you're being productive or if you're working hard at it, you're just doing it because you love being in the moment of doing it is a great way to just feel that natural exuberant happiness that most of us felt as children before we became productivity machine. Absolutely. And I think it's a beautiful way, the incorporation of play to instantly boost that frequency and the emotional well-being without as much effort. Because I think sometimes we overthink, (laughs) we overthink things and we think it can be so hard to shift our mindset or to just see more good in the world. When a lot of the times, just by incorporating some sort of play that opens up your heart and also opens up your eyes at the same time to what is really out there, what means the most, what happiness truly means, and how you can naturally shift people into greater levels of happiness by focusing on yourself first. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.